and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean, and this podcast is all about helping the members of our church follow Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life. And if you are listening to this podcast from somewhere other than Sacred City Church, we welcome you as well. Today on the podcast, guys, why don't you introduce yourselves? Wow. Okay. My name, <laughs> this is Rob Spikestra. I am the pastor of discipleship. <laughs> How's it going, guys? I'm Alex Tate. I'm the uh, Sacred City Youth Director. And I'm Kevin Knorr, the uh, pastoral assistant. See, these guys are so used to me introducing them. <laughs> That's right. But this is a new year and a new podcast. Oh, okay. Oh, so I'm going to allow you guys to speak up and uh, introduce yourself, okay? <laughs> well, this segment of the podcast we call Theology for Everyone. We are working our way slowly through the Westminster Confession of Faith. The Westminster Confession of Faith is a historical document that is a very helpful, short, systematic theology. Um, it's something that most people probably have never read, mm-hmm. um, and it's really important, and I think everyone should read. It answers a lot of questions for us, and so um, I hope that some of you are making a New Year's resolution to listen more to more of these podcasts. My own wife told me that she listens to all the other podcasts, but she doesn't <laughs> listen to the Westminster <laughs> Confession very often, the Theology for Everyone's, because they're not as practical. Mm-hmm. And But after listening to uh, the sermon on uh, last Sunday about you know our desire to, to just go deeper in our understanding of the Word of God and understanding doctrine and theology and understanding how the gospel works out and all the things, she's made it a commitment to go back and listen to all the Westminster Confessions of Faith. So okay. That's kind of a challenge, too. Yeah, I think she was know. kind of putting, kind of the, yeah, putting a little challenge there. Yeah, Yeah. so ladies, the <laughs> challenge has been thrown down. Gentlemen, the, 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 the gauntlet has been thrown down. Um, go back and listen to all of our theology for everyone's. Uh, because, yeah, you, you know, they're not immediately practical, but... It gives you, it's meant to give you theology and doctrine, a knowledge of God, a knowledge of salvation, a knowledge of yourself. Um, that's, that really helps form your worldview yeah. and, and shapes your soul. And it's going to, it's going to uh, increase your understanding of God and, and deepen your worship of God as well. And um, where we're at right now in uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith, we are on chapter 19 of the law of God. And I just preached a couple weeks ago the last sermon of 2021, I preached on the law of God and so, and how to use the law lawfully. And so the time here in theology for everyone and the time that that sermon on Sunday, they're kind of working together and we've had some, some helpful conversations. So we are in article six and article seven, the last two of chapter 19. So I'm going to have Kevin, go ahead and read this for us. It's kind of a long paragraph, and then we will go back through line by line, discuss it line by line, and then um, pull out some, some scriptures as well. Sounds good. Although true believers be not under the law as a covenant of works to be thereby justified or commanded, commended, condemned, condemned, good grief, I can read, um, yet 
is it of great use to them as well as to others in that, as a rule of life informing them of the will of God and their duty, it directs and binds them to walk accordingly, discovering also the sinful pollutions of their nature, hearts, and lives, so as, examining themselves thereby, they may come to further conviction of humiliation for and hatred against sin." together with a clearer sight of the need they have of Christ and the perfection of his obedience. It is likewise of use to the regenerate to restrain their corruption in that it forbids sin and that the threatenings of it serve to show what even their sins deserve and what afflictions in this life they may expect for them, although freed from the curse thereof threatened in the law. The promises of it, in like manner, show them God's approbation of obedience, and what blessings they may expect upon the performance thereof, although not as due to them by the law as a covenant of works. So as a man's doing good and refraining from evil, because the law encourages to the one and discourages to the other, is no evidence of his being under the law and not under grace. Ooh, okay. (laughs) So, we're talking about what is the law for. We're talking about the law of God. When we talk about the law of God, remember, we're we're talking about the Ten Commandments. We're talking about the case laws in the Old Testament working out the Ten Commandments. We're talking about every imperative in Scripture is included in the law of God. We had, we talked about the last time we had the moral law. We had the ceremonial law. And then we had the, the civic law. We've worked through each piece of that and how in the ceremonial law, there's still, even though we don't follow it anymore, there's still a moral to be mm-hmm. to be had, right? <clears throat> and to be followed that we still follow. We still need purification. We still need redemption, et cetera, et cetera. We don't go to ceremony for that. We go to the fulfillment, which is in Christ. And even in the civic law, there's morals found there that we need to learn how to apply to our, our current context. So now there, we're really answering, okay, well, what is the law for? What, what is the law for? And right away, <clears throat> let me just tell you, there's, there's two ditches that the, the Westminster divines are trying to keep us from falling into. And I'm going to tell you, they are, they're both detrimental to our faith. Mm. On the right hand is legalism. That is, or you call it, could call it pharisaicalism, Right? treating the law like the Pharisees in the New Testament treated the law as a means of justification to to make ourselves right with God or to keep ourselves right with God, to find favor with God. Legalism and and Pharisaicalism is always on the right, okay? On the left is antinomianism, Mm -hmm. right? Nomialism or nomianism, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And that is anti-law. That means, hey, we're under grace, not works. Woohoo! do what you want. Yeah. You know, should I should I sin more so that so grace abounds? You know, that's the kind of that's the idea. We are always walking that balance, and mm-hmm. we're always, you know, there's a temptation to fall off on the right and fall off on the left. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to teach us here exactly how to stay balanced and and to use the law lawfully. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here here's how they start. Although true believers be not under the law as a covenant of works to be thereby justified or condemned. 
So we're not under, he's saying right now, true believers are not under the law as a covenant of works to be thereby justified or condemned. When we put our faith in Christ, we are now under a new covenant. Mm. We're under the covenant of grace. We're under the covenant of Christ. Our, um, we're, we don't obey the law to be made right with God, to be justified or anything like, or, or even not, not to be condemned. So people will <laughs> fall in from each side, right? They'll go from each side from time to time? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Mm. Well, and, and we're going to be, each person's also going to be, we're going to fall off on both sides, but we're also going to probably have a proclivity, a natural proclivity for one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Think kind of older brother, younger brother mm-hmm. in the parable of the, the two sons. You know, yep. think about that. Okay. So we're not under the law. We're not justified by the law. We're not condemned by the law, but it is yet of great use to them as well as to others. In that, as a rule of life, informing them of the will of God. Mm. That phrase really should get written into our minds and into our hearts, Mm -hmm. that the law is a rule of life, Mm. informing them of the will of God. Another way of saying that is the law shows us the character and the nature of God, Mm. like what God is like. When we know what God is like, we know what God likes. We Mm. know what God approves of and disapproves of. We know how we should live. What what does a human, what does a, what does human flourishing actually look like? So the reason I bring that up is because there's a way of simplifying the Bible down to simply a way of salvation. And it is definitely, the story of scripture is definitely a way of salvation, Mm -hmm. but it's equally a rule of life. It's a path. It's a way of living. Right? So when you're saying a way of salvation, you're referring to justification. In other words, the way that I'm justified or made right with God. And we simplify it down to just that that kernel, if you will, of, of salvation. Whereas you're referring to that actually know the the law is 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 really a, a applied to sanctification, which is to become more and more like Christ, more and more more like he wanted us to, originally in terms of human flourishing. Is that, is, yes. is that fair? Is that what you're saying there? That's what I'm saying there. And I'm also, so there's, we narrow it down, not just to justification. Sometimes we simplify it. Okay. Because we want to make sure that the, the scriptures are God centered. And so the scriptures are about God, right. right? And they're revealing who God is and what God has done to save us. There's a way of just, of simplifying the Bible. This is what Jesus has done to save us from our sins and not this is also how I'm supposed to live okay. sanctification okay. after I'm, Jesus right. justifies me and right. you know and then I'm in the, in the process of sanct- right. sanctification right okay so so sometimes I think those two those two like groups in evangelicalism kind of like encamp themselves and throw rocks at the other people the Bible's not about you it's about Jesus mm-hmm. Okay, well, that that is true. It's not primarily about me. It's primarily about Jesus, but it is also a rule of life that shows me once I meet Jesus, this is now, it is about me in one sense. Right. Yeah. This is what's required of me. This is how I'm supposed to live. This is what I'm supposed to do. If it's if it's so important, how come a lot of churches don't speak about the law as much? Well, oh man, 
it's forever not popular. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. That, it, that, you don't talk about the law. Of, you know, if you're trying to gain a crowd and be popular, you don't talk about the law, mm-hmm. you know? So I think there's a lots of reasons. There's some. Co- it's complicated. Mm-hmm. It requires a lot of study. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big book, and people, you know... Well, generally, I think we think of our... At least in our day, we seem to think that the law means lack of freedom. Oh, now, now I can't be free. Now I can't, you know, uh, live like I really want to live. And actually, it is it is the very thing that does produce the freedom to live as God intended for us to live. But I think our immediate initial reaction is, oh, law, that's yeah. bad. Yeah. You know, that's 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 kind of you know kind of keeps me down. And mm-hmm. actually, he's saying, no, this is this is how the life is to be lived. Is to be lived as. I've made you to be lived, uh, to be living. So I, I think that's part of it, maybe. Yep. yep. <clears throat> okay, so what does it do? It informs us, so rule of life, informing them of the will of God and their duty, it directs and binds them to walk accordingly. What text do we have for that, Kevin? Romans 7, 12, 22, and 25. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteousness and good for I delight in the law of God in my inner being but I see in my member another law waging war against the law of the mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my member so the law of God shows us what our duty is what is required of us God is good righteous and holy mm-hmm. he requires us to be good righteous and holy yeah. right and so it binds us to walk accordingly. The, the law says, this is who God is. This is what you have to do, obey God. All human nature is bound is bound by that, yep. right? And if we don't, we get the curse, right? Unless we're, we're in Christ who took our curse for us. Yeah. Discovering also the sinful pollutions of their nature, hearts, and lives. So here is another aspect of the law. The law is meant, John Calvin said, the law is a mirror that's meant to show us our real uh, reflection. So we look into the law of God and it shows us what we should look like and it shows us and we realize how far we've fallen, how sinful we are, how polluted we are. And that shows us, man, that's, I'm, I'm worse than I thought. Yeah. I'm worse than I thought. Do we have a text for that? Yeah, Romans 7, 7. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. All right. I, I would not, I mean, I would not know what it is to covet unless the law said, thou shalt not covet. Yep. And you... If you've raised children, you know that children have no knowledge that coveting is a sin. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of people, I mean, there's a lot of people in our society that have no idea that, that coveting is a sin. Yeah. Looking at something that somebody else wants or somebody else has and wanting that yeah. and, and desiring that. And so the law was laid down to show us what's wrong, mm. right? <clears throat> So, examining themselves thereby, so using the law to examine ourselves or to look into the mirror, 
they may come to further conviction of humiliation for and hatred against sin. Mm. This right here, Kevin, or this right here, uh, Alex, is one of the reasons many churches don't preach the law of God. Because when you preach the law of God, it shows us how you are failing the standard. Yeah. How you are not meeting God's requirements. Mm-hmm. And it's meant to produce conviction, humiliation, and hatred against sin. Yeah. yeah. Who wants to be convicted, to be humiliated, and to hate <laughs> what you've done? <laughs> that sounds terrible. Right? <laughs> yeah. But sin is what put Christ on the cross. Yeah. And we should hate it. And we should feel a humiliation when we've given in to sin. And we should be convicted of it. What's the text we have for that, Kim? James 1. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and preserves... Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Yeah, there you go. He will be blessed. He will be happy. You know, that's 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 what God's aiming for. He's aiming for our joy. He's aiming yeah. for our happiness. And but it requires the law in order to bring us to a place of seeing where we fall where we fall short. Yeah. And I find so interesting this phrase here, this humiliation as for one, because in our therapeutic age, mm. that is a bad word, and, and we're not. Nobody's supposed to feel bad about themselves. Preaching. And actually, he's saying no. You know, it would be good. It would be good for me to see my sin, to be, as he said, humiliated by it um, in order that I might turn from it. Yeah. That brings me the joy or the blessedness that James is talking yeah, about there. Yeah. And boy, that runs so contrary right now to what, uh, what we're hearing uh, within, our, within our society. Yeah. Yep. Now, why would God want us to feel convicted, humiliated, and have a hatred against sin? Not so that we would grovel, right. not so that we would be have false humility and talk about how bad we are all the time and focus on ourselves and navel gaze and just go sin hunting constantly to, to feel guilty. No, this is this, together with a clearer sight of the need they have in Christ mm. Mm. Yeah. and the perfection of his obedience. Mm. So the point of understanding the law and letting the law put us to death, humiliate us. Like, that's what, it, that's what it means. Like, spiritual growth feels like death. Yeah. Because yeah. your ego is dying, your pride is dying, your sense of being a hero and, a, you know, a super Christian, all of that mm-hmm. has to die daily. But there's a way that that can, that, you know, Scripture talks about a godly sorrow, yeah. a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. An ungodly sorrow is just the opposite of pride. How, I can't believe, I, I really think I'm better than this. I can't believe I actually did this. Mm. And we grovel and we complain and, yeah. we, and we, we feel horrible about ourselves. A godly sorrow recognizes this is who I am. This is what I've done. I'm humiliated by it. I can't believe I've basically crucified Jesus again for this. But with a clearer sight of the need they have in Christ, Mm -hmm. this is revealing my need. 
This is why I need, I didn't just need Jesus to make me a little better. Yeah. I needed Jesus to make me brand new. Yeah. I'm worse than I thought I was, yeah. right? And geez, this is why God needed the perfect obedience of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He didn't need, you know, he, like my obedience was never going to help me, yeah. right? He, Jesus obeyed perfectly on my behalf. So I can rest and enjoy the grace of God because Jesus performed perfectly in my, in my place. Yeah. We have a text for that one, Kev? Yeah, Psalm 119. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your prospect, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. And that's exactly how Jesus obeyed for us. Okay, so, so far we've seen that the law of God is a rule of life for us that's meant to direct us. It's, it's a mirror that's meant to show us what we really look like mm-hmm. and show our need for Christ and bring us to the, to, the, to the feet of Jesus. And likewise, it is also of use to the regenerate to restrain the, their corruptions in that it forbids sin. Mm-hmm. So the law... The, the law is just meant to be also a common, a common grace that thou shalt not murder is meant to restrain people from murdering when they have, when they have disagreements, yeah. right? And all of the law of God is meant, is meant to do that. Yeah. Um, and the threatenings of it serve to show what even their sins deserve and what afflictions in this life they may expect for them although freed from the curse thereof threatened in the law. Mm. So when it, when it says thou shalt not kill, that tells you we shouldn't kill, we shouldn't murder. And then when it says, um, when it says that the, the, the one that commits a murder, a murderer should be killed, capital punishment in the law, that shows us what we deserve if we are, mm. if, if we are to kill a person, now, if yep. we do murder someone. Now, they're drawing a distinction here. It says, although freed from the curse thereof threatened in the law. So what they're getting at is if a Christian murders someone, mm-hmm. that's not going to change the fact that they're justified. That's not going to change the fact that, they're, that they've been forgiven of their sins. Mm. But they still might get the death penalty. Yeah. Right, so there's still going to be just consequences. Yeah. So you can be forgiven of your sins, but if you beat your wife, you're still under the consequence of that law, yeah. even though you've been freed from the curse of the law. We get that? Yeah. We got a text for it. We got yeah. a lot of. We got a lot. This is a lot this time. Yes, yeah. Psalm eighty nine thirty through thirty four. If his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. But I will not remove from him my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. Boom. All right. The promises of the law 
in like manner, show them God's approbation of obedience. Is that approbation? Does that mean approval? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. approval. Yeah. God's approval of obedience. And what blessings they may expect upon the performance thereof. So just like in the James passage, it said we will be blessed in our obedience. We'll be, we'll be happy in our doing. That we're not earning the favor of God by doing these. We aren't earning heaven in any way. It's not a ladder that's meant to, our, the law is not a ladder meant to climb up to heaven. But God still promises if you obey his law, you will be blessed. Yeah. You will be happy. This is, this is the good life. If you obey, so God tells us very specifically how to discipline our children. Mm-hmm. If you o- obey that and, you, and you aren't, you're not provoking your child to anger and you, you're teaching him uh, the, the fear, in the fear and admonition of the Lord and um, you know, you're applying the gospel to, to your parenting and you're, you know, you're shepherding your children according like Proverbs and teaching them this way, that there's going to be a blessing found in that. Your child is going to choose wisdom rather than foolishness. And it says over and over, the, the father that neglects the, to discipline his son hates his son. Mm-hmm. And the mother, and he's going to be a terror to mom, mm-hmm. to mom and dad, you know? And so there's a, there's a blessing. There's a blessing in obedience, right? So there's, when you say blessing, is it always like a, you know, a money blessing for a money, money blessing? Or is it, it, it could be different blessings. So if I, if I tithe uh, $1,000, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that jet's coming around the corner because I tied it, that, that money. So is, is, that, is that what you mean by blessing, or is, is there a different? No, that's not what I mean by blessing. <laughs> um, obviously, we, we, you, can never man, you can't manipulate God, yeah. right, and, mm-hmm. and try to use him as a get-rich-quick scheme. Mm-hmm. But as we obey God, mm-hmm. not just in tithing, in all things, most of the time, we will be blessed financially. Now, why do I say that? Because God's word has a lot to say about hard work. He said the, 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 the sluggard and the lazy rolls over in his bed in the middle of harvest season, right? And, it, and, he, and, he, and poverty jumps on him like a bandit. Yeah. Um, and so scripture talks about, now, the hard worker, who, who's, who's typically going to make more money, the hard worker or the lazy? Yeah. The hard worker, right? Who, you know, the honest man or, or the crook? The honest man, the truthful man, or the liar, the, the truthful man, long term, right? Um, and and not only that, but when you're putting God first, you're that means you're tithing. It means you're in the Word of God. You're going to be ethical, moral. You're going to be asking for His will. You're going to be walking His ways. You're going to be sensitive to His Spirit. You're going to be more likely to to prosper and to understand the way the world works because He talks yeah. about planting in seasons and He talks about just scales and all these different things in the scripture. So my, my seminary professor called it the redemption and lift principle Mm -hmm. that when we're redeemed, our way of life gets changed. And then typically our standard of living gets, gets lifted. Now it's Mm -hmm. not universal, obviously in times of turmoil and communist countries and all kinds of things that that's not always true. Um, but, but most of the time, most of the time it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's encouraging about this uh, what, the, what we're reading here is that you think about maybe some of our, our listeners who have come to Christ late in life and they've lived a life of sin like we used to before Christ, but they lived a life of sin and they've, they've 
been disobedient in, in many, many different ways. And they're receiving the consequences of that reality. Just now they're, they're kind, of play, you know, kind of playing out that, that uh, the, really the curses of, of when we disobey God. And yet what we're hearing here is that when we come to Christ, we start a life of obedience we began to receive blessings, even mm-hmm. in the, even even though we're maybe having to live out some of the consequences yeah. of our past life. We yeah. still can now start to receive blessings in this time yeah. that we can we can finish well, and that's exciting, you know, to to know that it's never too late, you know, that's for right. God to yeah. be bringing blessing to to that's our good. lives. That's, that's right. All right, so blessings they may expect upon the performance thereof, although not as due to them by the law as a covenant of works. So, like I was saying to you, Alex tithing does not put God in a corner where therefore he has to bless me financially. Yeah. It's there's, he, God owes us nothing. Right. God owes us nothing. Okay. So as a man's doing good and refraining from evil. Now, even there doing good, refraining from evil, we need the law to even define our terms because the law tells us what's good and the law tells us what's evil. Right now, the reason I bring that up is because we live in a society today that rejects the law of God. And therefore, when they say this is good and this is evil, mm-hmm. most of the time they don't even know what they're talking about. And they have no, they're literally just making it up. Mm-hmm. They're saying, we feel this is good right now and yeah. we feel this is evil right now. But when Christians say good and evil, we're saying God declares this good because goodness comes from Him. He's the source of all good, He declares us what's good. And evil, he knows exactly what evil is. Evil is the destruction of every of everything that's good or the bentness of anything that's good. Yeah. And so he defines that for us. We don't get to define those terms ourselves. So man's doing good, refraining from evil, because the law encourages to the one, encourages us to do good, and deterreth from the other. It is no evidence of his being under the law and not under grace. So... Just because a man does good and refrains from evil doesn't mean that he's under the law and not under grace. That's, that's, what, they're, that's, that's what they're getting at. Yeah. Is no evidence of his being under the law and not under grace. So, just because we want to obey the law does not mean we're under the law. Just because we want to obey the law does not mean we're not living by grace. We've been made right by God, by grace. I said it like this in the Sunday sermon, that the law is the standard that condemns us and drives us to Christ. And and Christ obeys the law perfectly for us and forgives us of our sins by dying the death that we deserve. And then the gospel, the grace of God, sends us back to the law to follow the rule of life. This is what it looks like. So what do you say to the person that's like following the law, but they're doing it with just a terrible heart? Well, and, and what are they getting for that? What do you mean? Like, I, I guess they're, they're following the rules, but they're doing it have grudgingly in their heart. And, you know, they well, know it's right, but... Yeah, well, honestly, you can't even do that. <laughs> like, that's not... Because... Part of the law is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Mm -hmm. So the law requires perfect obedience. The law requires you to want 
to, to obey God, yeah. right? And so even that shows us that you fall short and that you fail and that yeah. it pushes you to Jesus yeah. mm-hmm. who did it. He loves the Lord. He loves the law of God. Yeah. You know, he loved the law. Mm-hmm. And man does not live by bread alone, but by every word yeah. that comes out of the mouth of God. You yeah. know, Jesus loved it. Yeah. So so that's why he is the perfect one that, that fulfills it for us. That's good. Amen. So, yeah, see Jesus removing that uh, white-knuckled, you know, grumbling obedience. He, he removes that from us by fulfilling it mm-hmm. perfectly, smiling. Jesus said smiling obedience. Yeah, yeah, and then loving us and giving us grace in the midst of when we felt when we were falling short, you know, that's some good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> All right, last one. Article 7. Kevin, you want to read it? You bet. Neither are the forementioned uses of the law contrary to the grace of the gospel, but do sweetly comply with it, the Spirit of Christ subduing and enabling the will of man to do that, freely and cheerfully, which the will of God revealed in the law requireth to be done. All right. So, what we're talking about earlier, the gospel, it is a rule of life. It shows us the way that we should live what human beings are for. It's a mirror that reveals to us our own wickedness and our own sinfulness. And it has a use of restraining evil in the lives of people. Those uses of the law are not contrary to the grace of the gospel. They they sweetly comply with it. What, What text do we have for that? Galatians. Is the law then contrary to the promise of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. All right. This, so, so the law complies mm-hmm. with the gospel. That's what we're talking about. The yep. law sends us back to the gospel and the gospel sends us back to the law, right? So here's the deal. If, you, if you're a Christian, let me ask you this, Rob. You, you, you hear the gospel for the first time. You've been freed from the law. You get grace. And you, you believe in Jesus Christ. And then you don't go back to the, to the law. How will, what, like, what, what would that look like in a person's life? Well, I can't imagine that happening in a person's life only in that when you come to Christ, truly come to Christ, he's going to give you a new heart and, yeah. and, and a new desire. And it seems to me that that new desire then is going to, is going to run you towards, hey, what do, what do I need to, in a sense, please the Lord, not in the sense of what Christ did for us on the cross, but I want to please this one who, is, who has saved me. Mm. So I can't imagine that being true. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know if that's what you're getting at or not, but that's I, I Well, that's one of the things that's one of the points that I that I was that I'm trying to get at. The other one is it, it, it's pr- it's not as blatant as I just laid it out. It's more of I do, you know, I don't really want to read the Old Testament and I I just I kind of only want to read like really encouraging scriptures and mm-hmm. I don't want to like really apply the law. Mm-hmm. To my life, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because it kind of just makes me feel bad yeah. when I do that. Yeah. And 
what I've found is that people who don't really dig into the law of God and understand what God is requiring of us in our thoughts, in our actions, in our words, in our relationships, in all, in all areas of life, the gospel just kind of gets boring. Hmm. Okay. I can go with that. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You're, what you're saying, this is a truly, a, a, it's possible, it's possible to come to Christ and in a sense stop growing and it becomes boring and slow. And um, uh, so it's hard for me to imagine because I, I, I want to know these things. I want to know what yeah. the, the, you know, the, the, the truth is of, of God's word and how to, to honor God. But yeah, I can see what you're saying there. It's possible that you don't ever uh, move, you, you, you don't move very far along in your walk. It seems that you'd have to, you are going to move a little bit, but. Yeah. Well, and then even I've noticed people who have ignored the law at such a, in such a way that as they get older in the faith, they get more and more blind to their own sin mm-hmm. or, or they start feeling better and better and better about themselves mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. n- noticing more and more and more and more of, of the ways that they fall short. It's, it is the double-edged sword of the, of the law because the more you get into the law, the more it does hurt. Because the more you see how far you have fallen short, you know, you, you thought you were, you thought you were the, you know, the, the great, you know, follower of Christ. And then 10 years, 15, 20 years, 30 years down the road, continuing in the word, you're like, oh my goodness, not even close. And, and that hurts. It hurts to see that. But it also is then, of course, about what the law is intended to do, which is to help us to see the glory of the cross and what yeah. Christ has done for us and his obedience. So that's right. <laughs> All right, the spirit of Christ subduing and enabling the will of man to do that freely and cheerfully, which the will of God revealed in the law requireth to be done. This is a miraculous, just a miracle of grace here. Yeah. That he doesn't just forgive us of our sins. He, through the spirit, through the spirit of Christ, subduing and enabling the will of man to do the law freely. Yeah. So what before Christ, we could not obey the law. After Christ, we can. Now, we know not 100% perfectly, not in all things, but we can. And not only can we, we want to. That's what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. He frees our will yeah. to want to obey God and to want to o- obey the law. Yeah. So, listener, Is that your response to the law of God? Do you love it? Do you desire to know it and desire to obey it? Um, Is the law um, getting more clear in your mind? Are you getting a better understanding of of just exactly what God would require of us Um, and what the the rule of faith is? Um, We hope that you are. We hope that you're finding these podcasts helpful. If you've got any questions, you can email me at justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. And we would love to answer those questions on the podcast. We hope this uh, 2022 is going to be a year of depth, a year of growth, a year of blessing for you as you obey Jesus. So we love you. We're praying for you. God bless you. God bless you.